Thank you, and once again, good morning to students and teachers of the Word of God. We're studying on the Theological Seminar of the Air, the person and work and life of the Lord Jesus Christ, which in theology comes properly under the studies called Christology. The other very important subjects to study in the study of theology, we have spent uh, several lessons, I say several, about 12 broadcasts on the matter of the Trinity, dealing with theology proper, the study of God. Now, lessons uh, on the broadcast in the future will study study pneumatology, the work of the Holy Spirit, anthropology, the study of man and creation, angelology, demonology, soteriology, the study of salvation, homotiology, the study of sin, and, of course, the great doctrines on the second coming of Christ, which promptly fall under the heading of eschatology. Now, in the studies on Christology, we've been talking about the teachings of Christ, and on today's broadcast, we'll take up a study of the commands of Christ, the commands of Christ. And these are very important because, after all, if a person does believe that Jesus Christ was the greatest teacher that ever lived, uh, then surely he would also agree that his command should be obeyed. I mean, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Uh, the idea that a man could believe on Christ and trust Christ as Savior and not uh, pay any attention to what he commanded is rather obscure. And by the same token, even the liberal or the modernist preacher, who, although he does not believe on Jesus Christ as Savior and Redeemer, at least professes to follow his example or his pattern of life, nothing can be more ludicrous than a man professing to believe this and yet ignoring what Christ commanded. Now, we're going to talk on this lesson today about the commands of Christ in regard to a number of things. And this will be broadcast number uh, 31 that deals with the commands of Christ. These uh, broadcasts can be obtained if you want uh, tape copies of these broadcasts by uh, contacting the Pensacola Bible Institute, the Pensacola Bible Institute in Pensacola, Florida, Box 6235, Box 6235, Pensacola, Florida. Now, the commands of Christ. We have his commands regarding repentance, his commands regarding the belief, his commands regarding the new birth, and these commandments, are, of course, are given in the imperative. They're not cohortative, like, let us do this, and they're not suggestive, like, you may do this. They are in the imperative. They are, do this or do not do this. This, of course, brings up again the matter of authority, which is the most important subject in the Word of God, and explains why people who resent authority and rebel against authority and like to be their own gods pay no attention to what Jesus Christ said at all. Now, first of all, in regards to repentance, which some of you have never practiced and know nothing about, in Matthew 4:17, Christ said, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In Matthew 6:33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In Luke chapter 13, he said, Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. In Luke 13, 24, strive to enter into the straight gate, for many shall not be able. Repentance is twofold, turning from sin and turning unto God. It's like the prodigal out there in the hog pen, where the true essence of sin was departing from God, and the true essence of repentance was returning to God. And so the prodigal there gets up and comes home. Christ commanded all men everywhere to repent, in that he said, Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. All right, in regards to belief, we are to believe the gospel, we are to believe in Christ and in the Father. Mark 1.15 says, Repent ye and believe the gospel. 
And the Lord Jesus Christ was the one that said those words. He commanded, repent and believe the gospel. He said, don't believe, you disobeyed his command. Now, how can you call him Lord, Lord, and do not the things that he says? Why do you some, some of you people insist on praying in the Lord's name and repeating the Lord's prayer when you have no more regards to what he wanted you to do than if he was a street cleaner? He said, Repent ye and believe the gospel. That's a commandment. Have you obeyed it? John 14:1. Ye believe in God? Command. Believe also in me. This is a definite command, not to be a deist or a theist, not to believe just in God like a deist or a theist does, but to believe in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. John 3, 7 says, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Here's a commandment for the new birth. He doesn't ask your opinion. He doesn't ask what you think about it or what your friends think about it. Furthermore, he doesn't ask you what your church teaches about it. He said you must be born again. And you'll be very careful to notice that the word baptism doesn't occur within 15 verses of that verse in any direction, forwards or backwards. He said in John 6:29, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. You say, I believe all religions. He gave a commandment to believe on him. Have you done it? The new birth is the mysterious operation of the Spirit that converts. And in Luke 10:20, Christ said, Rejoice, because your names are written in heaven, but only on the condition of being born again. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. In Matthew 12, 33, he said, Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. Conversion is the only solution. He doesn't ask you to whitewash the old tree or fix it up or prune it or engraft new branches upon it. What he requires is a different tree. In regard to receiving the Holy Spirit, Christ says in John 20, 22, He breathed on them and said to them, Imperative. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Luke 24, 49, imperative. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power. Both these operations, of course, are now taken care of when the Christian received the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior. But in the context in which these passages appear, John 20, 22, and Luke 24, 49, the Holy Spirit has not been given initially from heaven down to this earth. As a man regards to following him, Jesus Christ gave commands, and the believer has no choice but to follow Jesus implicitly. In John 12, 26, he said, If any man serve me, let him follow me. In Luke 9, 23, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He said, Follow thou me. In John 21, 22, And he said to Matthew in Luke 5, 27, Follow me. He didn't say, If you like. He said, Follow me. Now that's the motto of the infantry school in Fort Benning, Georgia. And isn't it strange how an unsaved man will give his life for the government, lay down his life for a government, supposedly of the people, by the people, and for the people, that's run by the CFR and the Illuminati and the Federal Reserve Banking System, and yet he'll not follow Jesus Christ? Isn't that strange? In regards to prayer, the Lord had certain commandments. The Christian life is to be characterized by prayer if you are to accept the commandments of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said in Luke 21, 36, Watch ye therefore, and pray always. In Luke 22, 40, pray that you enter not into temptation. In Luke 10, 2, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. In Luke 6, 28, pray for them which despitefully use you. Those are commands. He didn't ask your opinion of what you thought about anything. 
And that's what aggravates the tar out of the modern Christian. The modern Christian is an apostate, and he will not endure sound doctrine. Those sound doctrinal statements are so sound that Christ said, If any man consent not to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the commandment that is according to godliness, he is proud knowing nothing. The saint of God is made great because he has faith in a great God, and Christ commands faith. In Mark 11:22, he said, Have faith in God. That's absolutely essential. In John 20, 27, Be not faithless, but believing. Away with unbelief. You're commanded to believe. In Matthew 14, 27, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Then the Lord Jesus Christ commanded the child of God to search the Scriptures. This plain commandment is found in John 5, 39. And he said in John 15, 20, Remember the word that I said unto you. We are to read, we are to study, we are to remember. The Apostle Paul says, Study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that he is not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You Christian people I'm talking to in this broadcast all over the states, do you study the word of God? Did you know you're commanded to? Do you search the scriptures? Did you know that's a commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ, John 5, 39? And I don't mean sitting around with five versions saying, I like this, and this reads this way, and this reads that way, and I believe it this way, and what does yours say? I'm not talking about the confusion and anarchy wrought by these people who split the body of Christ over authority. I'm not talking about that. I mean, you yourself steadfastly searching from day to day the Word of God to see what you're being taught is so. Each Christian must daily let his light shine brightly if he is to obey the commandments of God. In Matthew 5, 16, Christ said, Let your light so shine before men they may see your good works. In Mark 5, 19, he told the new convert, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. Those are commandments. Nobody is asked their opinion about anything. He doesn't say, well, if you'd like to go home and tell somebody about it, it'd be all right with me. He said, go home to thy friends and tell them. Go tell. Now, that's what the modern Christian can't stand, that didactic, dogmatic, authoritative, imperative, mandatory command to do something. We're living the days of numbers, not the book of Acts. And it's about time some of you people got up and began to act... And when I say act, I don't mean act like Acts chapter 2. I mean act like the Lord told you to act. I mean, after all, you're not a Jewish convert, a Jewish proselyte at Pentecost on a Jewish feast day waiting for a man to get up and speak who doesn't have any New Testament to preach out of. I don't mean that. I mean, it's about time some of you did what the Lord told you to do the way he told you to do it, and he told you to search the Scriptures and study the Scriptures, and you are to do it. Are you doing it? Each Christian must have a supreme love for God. In Mark 12, verse 30, we read, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And in Matthew 4, 10, when the Lord answered the devil, he said, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now you realize, of course, that all these statements are made in the imperative. Nobody told you to try to love God. And nobody told you to share God's love with your neighbor or let the love of God shine on you. You were commanded, Thou shalt 
love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, this is the first commandment, and I don't mean suggestion. Now, the modern Christian is a thin-skinned, wishy-washy anarchist. He believes his own opinion is relative to somebody else's opinion, is a relative to somebody who's supposed to know something they're talking about, who agrees with him in case him and his friends decide that they're right and somebody else is wrong. That is, the average Christian in America today is has less character and less principle and less ethical rooting in the groundwork of truth than the average unsaved man did in this country a hundred years ago. And when you talk to the Christians about these things that are to be done, their response is, oh, well, who does he think he is? That is, the modern Christian, I'm not saying all, I'm not making a blanket condemnation. I'm not making a blanket condemnation. But the average Christian, now when I say average, I'm only speaking 27 years' experience up and down this country. The average Christian, I'm only speaking from 11 years as a full-time pastor and 11 years as a full-time evangelist and five years as a full-time Bible teacher. The average Christian in this country, and I'm not just, you know, talking off the top of the deck. I'm speaking about more than 700 meetings in 30 states. The average Christian in this country will not stand God or anybody else telling him what he must do. And that's what the Lord told you to do. In Mark 12, 17, Christ said, Render to Caesars the things that are Caesars. So Christians are to love the authority and obey the authority. Whether the authority is from God or not, they're to pray for those that are in authority, and they're to be subject to the powers that be. We have a duty to our neighbors. In Matthew 19, 19, Christ said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. In Luke 6.31, we read, As ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ had some very specific things to say about covetousness. Our lives are to be heaven-centered and not earth-centered. In Luke 12.15, the Lord Jesus said, Take heed and beware of covetousness. And now, that's stronger than just giving advice. That's a warning. Take heed. Beware. See the negative? Take heed. Beware. Some of you positive milk-sucking bottle babies have some funny idea that if something isn't presented to you with honey and sugar and maple syrup and mixed up according to your formula so it tastes right to you, it's not of the Lord. You're about half crazy, do you know that? Now, I'm not talking to you unsaved people. You wouldn't understand anyway. I'm talking to you saved people that profess to believe that book. Some of the greatest commandments and advice in that book is negative from start to finish. Take heed. Negative. Beware. Negative. Lay not, negative. Beware, negative. Take heed, negative. In Matthew 5, 42, Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow thee, turn thou not away. In Matthew 6, 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, lay up treasures in heaven. You say, people I'm talking to right now, do you have treasures laid up in heaven? Don't get facetious and smart-alecky with me, friend. I'm asking you a deliberate question that requires a deliberate answer. You're not listening to some uh, one of these uh, a million mile kind of effeminate sort of campfire girl broadcasts where uh, Aunt Becky and her uh, campfire girls are trying to give the kiddies pretty flammograph questions. Let me ask you something, Bud. Have you got any treasures laid up in heaven? Do you know where heaven is? 
Were you dumb enough to think that because some national radio broadcaster or TV fellow tried to point out the difference between heaven and the kingdom of heaven, that this didn't mean you went to heaven when you died? Didn't you ever read about New Jerusalem that came down from God out of heaven? Didn't you read about Paul being caught up to the third heaven, 2 Corinthians 12? All right, if you're so smart, tell me, friend, what treasures do you have laid up there? Why, it was a commandment. It said, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, but lay up your treasure in heaven, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Have you put out as much money for putting out the Word of God as you have for dog food this month? Now, some of you rascals I'm talking to right now, have you spent as much money getting the Word of God out in Bible broadcasts and Bible teaching ministries as you have on your motorboat? Oh, that gets furry in there, don't it? And doesn't it even doesn't. The average Christian in America is an apostate by any standards of Bible authority. Now, he may believe in the virgin birth, the bodily resurrection, the crucifixion, and a few little things pull out of the Bible to make him look like the right kind of a person. But let me tell you something. Christ said, if a man love me, he'll keep my words, and if a man love me, he'll keep my commandments. In regards to this matter of hypocrisy, beware of becoming a hypocrite. In Luke 12, 1, Christ said, be, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Notice Matthew 23, verse 2 to 3. Let's be like Christ in meekness and lowliness and humility. Christ says in Matthew 11, 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And whosoever of you will be the cheapest shall be servant of all. In Luke 17, 10, he tells the follower or disciple to say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done only that which was our duty to do. We shouldn't be bragging about our work and bragging about our consecration and bragging about our dedication. We should be strong to rebuke sin, strong and powerful and bold to speak up against evil. No meekness there, but meekness when God deals with us, bowing and submitting to the Word of God. Some of the nastiest, meanest Christians in the world I've met in about 28 years of ministry are Christians who say, well, Brother So-and-so doesn't have enough love in his voice. He doesn't show enough love. And some of those people don't love God enough to even believe what he said. And some of those people aren't meek enough to submit themselves to God one time where God's Word runs contrary to what they think or what they've been taught. You know, they're wolves in sheep's clothing, and then they're sheep in wolves' clothing. Now we are to love the brethren. In John 15:12, Christ commanded, Love one another as I have loved you. In Matthew 18:10, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. In Matthew 5, 24, First be reconciled to thy brother. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, thou shalt forgive him, according to Luke 17, 4. In Luke 6, 37, Judge not, condemn not, forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. The greatest follower of Jesus Christ who ever lived said, And forgive one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. These are commandments. They're not suggestions. There are no options, to quote the modern computerized programming behavioristic uh, validated ethnic evaluation put out by people who get enough education to lie like a dog and not get caught at it. These are commandments. Do you obey them? Jesus Christ set a very high standard for his disciples. 
He said in Matthew 5:48, "Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful." The standards aren't lowered. The standards are kept up. That is all. Each believer is to preach the gospel where he is. In Mark 16, verse 15, he told the believers, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Luke 24, verse 47, he said that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. In John 21, he said to Peter three times, Feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. God's people are to minister the word to each other. Now, the great typology of this, of course, was set forth in John chapter 13. Well, when the Lord Jesus Christ got through washing the disciples' feet, he said, Now you are clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. And this great typology set forth in John 13 plainly had nothing to do with the literal foot washing, for when he came to wash Simon Peter's feet, he said to Simon Peter, What I do now thou knowest not, but thou shalt know thereafter. Plainly telling you there was more going on than just a foot washing. That is, no, the Lord Jesus Christ didn't say about the example, do what I have done to you, the foot washing, but do as I have done unto you, humbling himself and ministering to them. Christians are to minister the word to each other, and nothing can be clearer than this from the pastors and the Pauline epistles, where we're told the church is to wash and sanctify by the washing of the water of the word, not the baptismal fount. That is in all, the Lord Jesus Christ gave us a commandment in regards to his second coming, when he said, Be therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Luke 12, 41. We are to be ready for the second coming of Christ at any moment, and we were not asked our opinion about it. The command was the imperative, Be therefore ready. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Those are orders. If the average Christian, the born-again Christian, had the attitude that the Prussian military staff had of the war college at Berlin and Halle, Prussia, we'd have a better kind of Christianity. To the German general, an order is an order. And an order for a Christian is a suggestion in the average church today. Of course, you realize that once you've done away with the authorized version, you've done away with the authority. Once the authority is done away with, then you leave your congregation the place where any man can pick any version that'll teach or preach whatever he thinks it teaches or preaches, and then you have anarchy. You don't have a church split down the middle. You have a church split into a thousand pieces. Often those of us who stand up for the Word of God and propagate it and preach it and teach it and practice it and promote it are accused of splitting churches because they hold up one book as the final absolute standard authority. This is done by people who have already split their churches into a hundred pieces by taking their authority from them. And after all, God is not the author of confusion. If you stand up in the pulpit and say, turn in your Bibles to John 3.18 and read, and then 400 people pick up their Bibles and get six different readings, don't you blame that on me. That church wasn't split by a man that believed the Bible is the Word of God. That church was split by a man who kept referring to the Greek and, and altering the text so many times to show off his own scholarship and make people think he was smart, but finally they realized that anybody's opinion was just as good as anybody else's, and the Bible had no authority. That's what's been going on there. Now, these are commandments. Be therefore ready. That's a command. Would it be faithful unto death? Matthew 24, 13 uh, speaks about this matter in regard to the tribulation and tell the tribulation saint 
but he'll be saved if he endures to the end. And although the Christian has been told that not even things to come, life or death, can separate from the love of God, still he is told to run the patience with of the race with patience, looking out at Jesus, the author and finisher of his faith, and he's to run to win. Paul, at the end of his ministry, says he was an example for the believer and a pattern for them that should hereafter believe on Jesus Christ to life eternal. And in regard to this pattern, he says, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith, I have fought a good fight. Henceforth is laid it for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me in that day, and not to the only, but also to all them that love is appearing. Now, in conclusion, in regard to the commandments of Christ, we may say, if a man love Christ, he will keep his words. John 14, 23. He won't change them. This is the true motive. We're to use these commandments as an inventory to check our personal lives before God. If a man loved me, Jesus said, he will keep my words. If a man loves me, he will keep my commandments. We're to obey what the Lord Jesus Christ commanded. Now, if those commandments are given to Israel specifically, then, of course, they're not specifically for us. So we should study to show ourselves approved unto God and know which ones are for us and which ones aren't. If those commandments are aimed at tribulation saints, like they're aimed at in Matthew 25 and Matthew 24, we should rightly divide the word of truth and discern which commandments are given to those that are outside the church, the Gentile heathen, those that are in the church made up of the body of Christ of Jew and Gentile, and those that are aimed at Israel in the flesh, the Jew per se. The Bible clearly delineates three major types to whom the word of God is written, to the church, the Jew, and the Gentile, and since in the body of Christ there's neither Jew nor Gentile, we have the threefold distinction of some pastors, commands for the Jew, some pastors, commands for the body of Christ, and some commands for the unsaved Gentile. We are to keep these words and keep these commandments. And Christ said, If a man love me, he will keep my words. Plainly, of course, you realize the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament were replaced by the two new ones in John 13 to 16, and plenty of the law written the table of stones, 2 Corinthians 3, was done away with in the new birth, for the Christian is not under law, but under grace, according to Romans chapter 6. Let me realize, of course, that still the moral imperative of these laws is binding on the Christian, at least as far as his fellowship with the Lord is concerned, according to Romans chapter 13. And, of course, we know the Sabbath as a ceremonial law was given as a sign, and the other were not. The Sabbath day as a sign was a sign given to Israel because the Jews seek for a sign, 1 Corinthians 1.22. And since their nation began with signs, Exodus 4, the Sabbath was a sign given to Israel that they might know he was the Lord God that sanctified them, not the born-again believer. Please see Nehemiah 9 and Ezekiel chapter 20. Therefore, it is imperative, while we're talking about imperatives and commandments, it's imperative for the Christian to know when a command is being given to him and when a command is not being given to him. You have no business stealing commands given to somebody else and pretending they're yours when they're not. And you have no business disobeying commandments given to you and pretending they're for somebody else when they're for you. You say, Brother Rutman, I've never heard anything so hopelessly confused. You haven't because you're lazy. And if you weren't lazy, you'd been spending as much time in the Word of God as you had been paying your bills, and the command was, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God doth man live. 
Therefore, if some of you people have been as diligent in studying the Word of God and applying the Word of God and consuming, digesting the Word of God as you have been in getting food and consuming food, you would understand perfectly what I just said. Until then, I suggest you spend some time in the Word and learn what the Lord has commanded you to do and what He expects of you and requires of you according to His teaching and according to the teachings He gave the Apostle Paul after the resurrection. Until the same time next week at the same broadcast, may the Lord bless you and good day.